0: Did you know your daily routine could be the key to your next vacation getaway? NerdWallet helps you compare travel and cashback cards to turn your everyday purchases into your next unforgettable getaway experience. Traveling doesn't have to be expensive, and daily expenses don't have to get in the way of your next escape. Imagine purchasing food and earning points towards a free hotel room, or earning points toward a flight by simply buying gas. Regardless of your financial situation, the NerdWallet team will help you make sense of your options at nerdwallet.com. Get expert information from an award-winning team of nerds to make even the most complicated money questions and topics easy to understand. NerdWallet's dedicated team will offer the tips you need to get that vacation you've been waiting for without breaking the bank. NerdWallet offers everything you need to make sound financial decisions while costing you absolutely nothing. Find the smartest financial products for you on NerdWallet.com or in app stores by downloading the NerdWallet app
1: And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My guest this hour, Exxon Nation, is Denise Stoner, and she was invited and accepted to become a part of the Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial Encounters, free, as a member of the research team. She is proud to be part of MUFON National Experiencer Research Team. Uh, She's a member working under, under Director of Abduction Research, Another young lady that we've had on the show before, Kathleen Marden. She's also Florida MUFON field investigator, star team member, Florida MUFON state section director, and former chief investigator. She co authored and published her first book, The Alien Abduction Files, released in May of 2013 with Kathleen Marden. She holds uh, educational forums, both public and private gatherings for abduction experiencers, and her involvement in the UFO field spans. For more than 35 years, joining us now is Denise Stoner. And Denise, welcome back to the X Zone.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Um, for the for the listeners who may not have heard you here on the show before, or or listening in for the first time around the world, tell us about your your experiences and and what brought you into the field of ufology.
2: Well, I've been abducted. We call them experiencers now because there's so much involved in the whole Mm -hmm. uh, event Uh, since age two and a half. And I recalled that. Why? Because there were so many things that triggered the memory. For instance, my my mom was in the hospital giving birth to my sister. I was being cared for for the first time alone with my grandfather. Um, People weren't home you know, to be there with me. We had so many people that were always with me. So I was kind of alone. I saw my first UFO. I was taken that night. My grandfather saw the UFO. So there were lots of triggers for that memory. And and that's where it started. Um, it moved on f- forwarded uh, to the point where so many times and so many experiences occurred that it came to the point where I needed to share it.
1: Is that what made you decide to tell your story in the Alien Abduction Files?
2: Well, through a period of years, and then meeting Kathleen mm-hmm. Martin and discussing it with her, and she asked if I would be willing to write the book with her and to share my story. And there were some commonalities with uh, Jenny Henderson, who has her story in the book also, uh, to the point where we wondered if we had been on the same ship, on the same craft. And so we needed to get all the information Mm -hmm. out there so that people could read and know they weren't alone in their stories either.
1: How many people... Do you estimate are abducted each and every year?
2: Oh my goodness. I I think the count has gone up exponentially because we didn't know before, but mm-hmm. I think that we're beginning to see that the figures are in possibly the millions.
1: Is is there any criteria that you, Kathleen, or the other many researchers who are who are doing their their due diligence to try and understand the alien abduction scenario why certain people are picked and others aren't
2: well the, this runs in families we're we're looking at blood types hmm. we're looking at families as far as possible military who in the family has been in the military? What did they do for the military? How were they involved as far as communications? And I don't mean just being on the radio right. and contacting other military. I mean the type of communications where they deliver messages to important people. Uh, where did they travel to? Um, other than the blood types, is there something different about these individuals uh, intelligence-wise? Um Where did they work? There's so much involved that we're working with um, that I could go on and we could do a show, Kathleen and I, just on those topics. There are studies being done, research being done, questionnaires out Mm -hmm. there that we're just getting the answers back from now.
1: Denise, can you give us a, a typical profile of an abductee?
2: Well, profiles, that's kind of difficult, but I can tell you there are some commonalities. Um, Commonalities, we first thought that the Rh factor negative, Rh negative, might come into play. We still think that might be the case. Mm. However, uh, I'm, I'm blood type O positive, the universal blood type. There are many of us out there. We looked at people that craved salt. Um, We looked at people that had um, psychic abilities prior to being taken, and that was expanded a great deal following their experience or their events. Um, I, I could continue on. Um, the percentage has changed since Kathy and I did our study, and those are going to come out in a book by Ray Hernandez that a lot of scientists have looked at, and they're just counting on now. Uh, the book will come out after the month of August. I don't have the name of it in front mm-hmm. of me, but it's very scientifically done. Thousands of people took tests. Um, and so, we're going to have more information on that by September, I believe.
1: Is the, is the, is the abduction scenario um, alike in all these cases that, that, that are being investigated? Or are there different abduction types, different examinations, different uh, inquiries made by the visitors?
2: Well, the implants have changed we used to be able to find those mm-hmm. and Dr. Lear removed them. Yeah. Now we're finding that some of that has changed probably due to the aliens knowing how to hide them and put them in at the skin level. Oh, really? So they can't They can't be seen or felt in a lot of cases. So have they advanced to a point where they can hide those? And we're now having to find them and discover where they are, what they look like. Can we feel them? No, not anymore in a lot of cases. Um, That's different.
1: So, So how are they discovered now?
2: Well, I think that in a couple of cases, people have discovered something that changes color, transforms. um, They'll develop, for instance, a rash behind their ears. Hmm. Something. It's almost like having a heart transplant and your body rejects that. Well, it's rejecting that piece of skin or causing a rash.
1: That's interesting.
2: It's very interesting. So we're looking at that. A couple of other places in the body where that's occurring, um, we're just beginning to study that. And then people that were taken, their bodies, they're, they're caused to walk out of the house, to walk somewhere or drive somewhere mm-hmm. where they're picked up. Now they're being taken out of their bodies.
1: Like their spirit, their soul?
2: Well, we don't know. Their essence? We're setting the consciousness wow. now. We're, we're getting some neurosurgeons, uh, neuroscientists, excuse mm-hmm. me, to take a look at this. Uh, What's going on? Why do people feel like they have had an out of the body experience and they're running into ETs? They're on crafts that are also run biologically and organically and by something that is alive. And they're in a craft that doesn't seem real, but yet it is, Um, they can't see it from the ground, but they know that they're in something, engulfed by something that's alive, as are the entities that they meet. And then when they come back, mm-hmm. their body's on the bed. It's just like an out-of-the-body, near-death experience, that type of thing. And they're put back into their vessel.
1: That, that, that's, that's amazing.
2: It is. It's fascinating. Um, So we need to know how far advanced Mm -hmm. are these entities that took us bodily before and possibly had difficulty sneaking us out. Maybe that's why, or perhaps that's why, we were taken at night before more than we were in broad daylight. Uh, Some of us were. I was taken in broad daylight out of a glacier valley.
1: All right, we're going to talk about that. When I come back from this commercial break, Denise, right. uh, thank you so much for joining us. What is a website that people can check out?
2: Well, my website had to be taken down. It was hacked. You're kidding. But they can, no. Uh, and a lot of us, that's happened too. But you can reach me at dm. As in Margaret Stoner, the number one, at gmail.com.
1: All right, that's dm. Stoner, number, uh, the number one, at gmail.com. Denise Stoner and I will return on the other side of this commercial break, exonation. Nation. This is fact. This is not fiction. And we'll continue from our studios here in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. In the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell. Don't go away.
0: Been wounded and are traumatized by the violence. UNICEF is on the ground providing health, hygiene, and critical emergency supplies. Please go to unicef.org to donate now. Thank you.
1: everyone our guest this hour is Denise Stoner and uh, I have a copy of the alien abduction files most startling cases of human alien contact ever reported that was written by Kathleen Marden and of course our guest this hour Denise Stoner and I had the uh, opportunity of having Kathleen on with Stanton Friedman uh, oh geez I forget when it was but uh, discussing the book and um it seems that not only has the human race evolved, but so has the alien race or the extraterrestrial race when it comes to taking what they want from our from our very existence. It puts a whole new connotation to soul snatching.
2: It appears to and and are they actually snatching souls in a mean way Um, is there some other reason for why they do this type of thing, and I had that experience on a craft where possibly Jenny Henderson, who's the other uh, effort in this book that we wrote about, um, and I did not get to meet her at first because there was a possibility we were on this craft. And the ETs were very upset about this project. They felt they should not have undertaken with human beings. It is a possibility, just my opinion and no one else's that I know of, Mm -hmm that um they were upset and that we were to undertake this project they decided that we should try it or they should try it make an attempt um there were these black boxes that were seamless they were extremely shiny i felt i had something very precious in my hands on this craft and i felt like I shouldn't have had it and they were looking at me like they shouldn't have given it to me along with the others on the craft and we were on a huge huge object uh, the, the ufo itself and we were sent down a hallway i saw a couple of people and jenny may have been one of them who ran um away tr- attempted to run away she of course could nowhere, I had been taken out of my bed that particular night, and it had a balcony, this craft did, hmm. that opened up out of this craft over a huge granite cliff, and there were pine forests below and little A-shaped cabins, and when we were told we were to drop these boxes, and I watched them drop and kind of made us a sound a sharp, oh, I can't even describe it, but what what I saw was a bit of a light and then they disappeared. And I believe that these particular ETs were a little bit more advanced than we were and they had the authority to do what they were doing and that was to deposit human souls back on Earth.
1: Where do you think, or what is your theory as to where these ETs come from?
2: I have several, I've changed some of my thoughts and feelings about this. Some may come from other planets, Mm -hmm. and some may come from other planes, uh, actually. And some may not even appear in a true human form any longer. Um, I've been researching that. And we may not see them as solid material any longer. These particular ones were in solid form, They come from, if we live in planes or alternate realities, um, they may not look anything like us at all. They don't at any rate, anyway. Um, But they may not be solid. They may be just pieces of, of atoms and something we can't even describe right now. They may be something we see when we ourselves leave this plane, this earth, on our death. Uh, I'm looking into all of that. Uh, Kathy and I and some other teams are exploring this type of thing, but through scientists, through neuroscientists who have been studying the brain and death for many years. It's very interesting.
1: So, am I to understand that, that there is a connection between death and the extraterrestrial presence?
2: As far as humans are concerned, yeah. I don't think we go where they are. I don't know if we're developed enough, most of us, mm-hmm. to go where some of them are. And again, some come from other planets, some live out there, um, perhaps Orion's Belt. A lot of people feel very attached to that if they're searching for crafts coming and if we're looking for something that flies here. Uh, they tend to want to look that way, and they don't know why they even know that. Um, I, for one, if I'm out skywatching, mm-hmm. want to look in that direction.
1: Well, isn't there a connection between Orion's Belta and the pyramids in Egypt?
2: Uh, some of the scientists think so. Yeah. Some individuals studying that believe that might be the case, yes.
1: Interesting. Based on the research that you've done and based on your very own experience, do you think that these visitors pose a threat to humanity?
2: That is almost an individual decision to make. I don't believe so. Okay. I think they're just doing what they're doing uh, to, to do their own research, their own studies. Uh, if asked, would I want this to stop? No. No, I have no reason. I've been brought back each and every time I've been taken. Um, I I think they have a reason for this. Are they trying to better us as humans? Are they trying to better themselves as a combination of things? Mm -hmm. I think so.
1: Have you formed a relationship with any of these visitors?
2: If you want to put it in those terms, I have with my escort. It's the same one that came for me when I was two and a half Mm -hmm. that comes for me now.
1: Could that be described as, or interpreted, I should say, as the invisible friends that children report to their parents as, uh, you know, being playing with, being in contact with?
2: Yes, because that's what my mother thought I had. She truly believed mm. that I had an invisible friend, although my mom and dad were possibly taken because they saw a craft outside their bedroom window.
1: When you're taken to the craft, Denny's, do you have any sense of warmth, cold? Are there any smells? Are there any sounds that you can share with us?
2: Ah, uh, There's sometimes a smell, and people are now describing it some as kind of a strong cinnamony smell. Mm-hmm. Others don't like the odor at all. I sense kind of a ozone-y smell. Interesting. If you have any idea, have you ever walked into a place that has some of these ozone strips hanging from the ceiling, especially in a place where you're still allowed to smoke in a bar? Uh, there are places yes. in Colorado that have those, and it smells like extra, extra clean, mm-hmm. clear, and you know that it's, it's ozone. Um, it, that's the only way I can describe it.
1: What has been the longest duration that you believe you've been aboard a craft for?
2: I would say um, four hours.
1: And while you were on the craft, were you were you fed? What no. Did, what did you do?
2: It was mostly them mm-hmm. examining me. Um, I went through the reproductive process when I was younger. I know that I carried a fetus more than once. And then when they showed me the core of the ship, I was affected quite strongly by visiting that that was biological and organic because I have had a reaction to that that actually Kathleen discovered um, we ended up videotaping my reaction, and now I have something they cannot diagnose.
1: Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, are are people of all ages, all nationalities, all colors, all creeds being being uh, escorted to the visiting ship or is are there specifics that that these visitors are looking for?
2: I think, A great majority Mm -hmm. have escorts. And sometimes, uh, from what I've heard and spoken to people about, is especially with children, whole neighborhoods are taken to a craft. Right. Children, groups of children all at once. And they're escorted by two and three people at a time.
1: And how do... If this is is this just being done at night or is it now being done during the day as well?
2: Boy, that's a good question. Yeah. I think that if it's two or three children yeah. and they're called out to go to the woods to go and play, they're taken and sometimes don't get home until it's they're late for dinner. Right? Uh, and I don't always recall what has happened, except they have some fear at times, Mm -hmm. Uh, they don't like to go to bed with the lights off, I was one of those, and if I fell asleep and my mom snuck up and turned the lights off, I immediately woke up and started yelling, I knew when that light went off.
1: Fascinating. Denise Stoner, please stand by, you and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Fascinating right. lady, fascinating story. And Exonation. if you'd like to get your very own copy of the Alien Abduction Files, the most startling cases of human-alien contact ever reported by Kathleen Martin and our very, very, uh, very own guest this hour, Denise Stoner, I'm sure it's available. In fact, uh, Craig just checked it. It's still available on Amazon.com. The Exo, and a place where people dare to believe, dare to be heard. Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern. With yours truly, Rob McConnell, Then Stoner and I return on the other side of the news. Don't go away. our guest this hour is denise stoner and if you'd like to contact denise here is her email address d.m.stoner, the number one at gmail.com and uh, denise thank you so much for sharing with us tonight and uh, the next time you're speaking to kathleen please give her my best
2: i will do that and thank you for having it's me my
1: great pleasure ma'am um while you were on board this craft at any given time were you did you feel as if you were in danger
2: The fear, and I've spoken to several people about Mm -hmm. this, you are very much afraid when you're being taken to the craft. And you're very much afraid until you are on the interior. And many of us then, the fear, once we're inside, the fear is gone. And I don't know if it's because the escort has the capability of stopping that fear. Or you're just curious. Or once you're inside, there's something there that makes you comfortable.
1: What can you tell us about the escort? Maybe there's somebody listening tonight who's had these, these memories, these glimpses of something that, that your conversation tonight is triggering in them. And the, after the show, they're going to send you an email saying, I listened to you on the X-Zone. So what can we tell them? How can we, how can we help them find inner peace that what they are thinking or what they, what they have experienced is not a dream, but real?
2: Well, the escort, to me, uh, was someone that was uh, about five feet tall, maybe a little taller. Mm-hmm. He was a gray with the great big eyes. He never spoke. He, he would send information or messages telepathically. At first, I thought, where am I getting this from? Mm-hmm. It took me a while to understand that's how the information was sent to me. I think he understood my thoughts and what I was thinking and if I was afraid. And when I was in pain from some of the medical process that was going on, he put his hand on my forehead and the pain would instantly go away and the fear along with it if I was afraid of the process that was, that was being uh, done to me. So that occurred. Um, When he showed up, after a few years, I understood he was there to take me with him and to guide me through what was going to happen, which on occasion was to step into a blue light or a gel-like substance that would break me apart completely into a molecular mess in order to get me into the small opening of the craft a human would not fit through unless that occurred.
1: Something like the Star Trek uh, transporter beam?
2: Uh, I would say kind of. That's Mm -hmm. the only way you could describe it. But I broke apart, and I knew I was broken apart, and that was painful. It was very painful. And then I would find myself standing inside the craft in one piece.
1: How many times do you believe that you've been abducted over the years?
2: I would say 50
1: plus. My goodness. Obviously, it ha- when was last time you were abducted?
2: It has been approximately four years now, at least four years. Um, the last time uh, was an attempt that was made. I know I was taken I don't recall it, and Kathleen and I have not looked into it, mm-hmm. but I was dropped, wow. and I was dropped beside my bed to the point where I wasn't just you know put down. Mm-hmm. I was floating, and I woke up when I was about three feet above my bed, but I was not above the mattress, but above the floor, and somehow I was pushed backwards. We had a little set of steps for our small dog at the time Mm -hmm. so he could climb up on the bed. I was shoved backwards so that my pelvic area was shoved against the step, and then I slid, slid to my left where the wall was and I was slammed so hard I broke the drywall with my head. My God. Yeah, and then I fell, I broke a a small trash can that was sitting against the wall that cracked into about three pieces and then I hit the floor. Um, I bruised my neck, my shoulders, my head on the left-hand side. There's still damage there and then when I King Mm 2, I looked and I saw my husband standing there wondering what in the world happened uh, because he had been in bed sound asleep and the crash was so tremendous. He he saw the crack in the wall. He couldn't figure out how at that height I had made that crack in the drywall. And then we looked and uh, Kathleen has the photos. I had a huge bruise on my ribs, on the other side, didn't belong there at all, and there was a great big needle mark, as if a huge needle had been inserted into my abdomen.
1: What does your husband think about all this?
2: Well, uh, Kathleen worked with him to the point where she, she did some hypnosis, and it was discovered that he was probably on the craft but did not choose to see what the ets looked like he is a vietnam vet and he felt that he did not want to see what they looked like personally whether anything happened to him let's put it that way Mm -hmm. he saw a craft a craft in broad daylight when we lived in in Colorado, up in the mountains, when he came back from Vietnam, he was fine with that. And then he witnessed a, a gray putting me back into our truck when we were going to go scuba diving in Colorado. So he couldn't move. He was frozen to the seat and watched that uh, process where the, the ET was placing me back in our seat. So he did see that. Um, he... Spends the day with that set in a box in the back of his mind. He doesn't live in any kind of fear. Right. Um, And he knows it's something that that happens in our life. Um, But he doesn't let it drive him as far as ruining his
1: life. Before the the guide comes to, uh, or the escort comes to take you, do you have any idea wh- that it's going to be happening? Do you get any feeling, any premonition?
2: Yes, I do. Um, and so don't many others. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get a buzzing in your in your ear, right. uh, a ringing in your ear that's similar to tinnitus. Right. Um, there's something slightly different about it, though it's hard to describe. And you can get a... I can describe it as a vibration all throughout your body. And it's a warning um, that, well, we're coming. So just be ready.
1: I understand that there was also an experience that you had in Florida. Can you share that with us?
2: Uh, well, there were a couple. Oh, really? um, okay. One that was very interesting and very different from the others. Um, I was taken... Um, and put on some kind of small craft. It wasn't a motorcycle. I mean, that's crazy, but it did float. Mm-hmm. Found myself in one of our jungly pathways, and we've, we have some very old areas where there was some um, oh Air Force uh, hangars and everything is closed down in in the middle of the jungle, right. but I was on this craft, and it floated down an old uh, trail. And When we got to the end of the trail, there was a wooden um, kind of a balcony or something, and an old hangar covered with vines. There were two marble tubs. I was asked to strip down, get into the tub, and use kind of a soap-like material to wash Mm -hmm. completely, roll around. I remember it feeling very slippery but pleasant. I was given a robe, got out, told to approach a desk where an entity sat. And um, then a military man escorted me into the old hangar. There were other humans there sitting at long tables, and a huge craft approached and hovered over the ceiling of this hangar. It's somewhere not far from here. I know it. I just know there's something here. There's so much jungle that I'd have to look forever, or maybe from the air we could find it. And then a reptilian-type creature and a human, both dressed in military jackets but no collar insignia, dropped to the floor from the craft and began to speak to us very rapidly. I recall none of what we were told. And then I was returned home uh, to find my husband. He was so sound asleep, I couldn't wake him up. So that was very odd. I don't know what it was all about. I just know it happened.
1: Now, are, do you live on the Atlantic or the Gulf side of Florida?
2: Uh, we are on the Atlantic side, but it's it's just north mm-hmm. of Orlando. Right. So it takes us about an hour to get to get to one of to the coast.
1: Yeah, why? I, why I was asking that is because there is, you know, the all the experiences that people have in the Bermuda Triangle, which is just off the shores of Florida, and Correct. is there is there a connection, in your opinion?
2: Well, I don't think people realize this. Um, Tampa, which is. Um, not far from us either. We can get there in about an hour and a half, right. two hours in traffic. Mm-hmm. If you look it up, you'll find something called the Tampa Triangle. All right, we're going to have a bit of a cli- right to the shore. We're going
1: to have a bit of a cliffhanger here, uh, Denise, because I've got to take my final break. I'm very uh, well acquainted with the Orlando area. My wife and I have a home there, and uh-huh. um, I, I've been diving and researching the, the Bermuda Triangle, the stories, and uh-huh. something is mysterious there. There's no toys yes, about it. Yes, it is.
2: Yes, I dove there also.
1: Stand by, Denise. You and I will be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the Exon with my special guest this hour, Denise Stoner. If you'd like to contact Denise because you believe that you may have been abducted, you can contact her. She's a great lady. You have nothing to fear, Exonation. Her email address is dmstoner, the number one, at gmail.com. That's dmstoner, number one, At gmail.com. We'll be back. Don't go away. Denise Stoner is my guest, explanation. along with Kathleen Martin. They have authored a book entitled The Alien Abduction Files, The Most startling Cases of Human-Alien Contact Ever Reported. And uh, their foreword to this book was done by our good friend Stanton T. Friedman. Craig checked on uh, Amazon.com and some other online book retailers. It is available. If you're into wanting to know the truth about the extraterrestrial abduction scenario presence, this is the book, because the lady that we have on the show right now is the co-author. We've had Kathleen Marden on the show. We've had Stanton Friedman on the show. I don't know how many times over the past 28 years, uh, but I had the pleasure of meeting Stanton for the very first time in Brantford, Ontario, at the Alien Cosmic Expo. He's a great guy. And uh, Denise, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a great pleasure talking to you again, and uh, thank you for all the work that you Kathleen, and the other researchers out there do to try and put together this this cosmic jigsaw puzzle.
2: It is. It is a jigsaw puzzle and I'd, I would hope anyone having ex- experiences or anyone that needs to learn to support someone else would read this book because it, it's helpful to anyone that needs the information.
1: Let me ask you this. Is it possible that someone who has had the experiences of being abducted might show signs of PTSD.
2: Absolutely. No question of it. Um, and there are cases mm-hmm. of that in at least half of the individuals that have conscious recall wow. of their events.
1: Before we went to the break, you were telling us about the, uh, uh, where was it, Tampa? Yes. Yeah. Tampa
2: has a their own triangle that comes all the way to the beach. You can look it up and read about it. Uh, I have been diving there. Mm-hmm. I've been diving in the Bermuda Triangle. I've been out in it in a boat in the middle of the night. There are some very strange things going on there. Any of the excuses and and explanations they try to give, I don't believe them. <laughs> I don't.
1: I don't blame you because seeing is believing, right? And you are an experiencer. Yourselves. Yes. Listen, that brings up a question, uh, Denise. Why do you think the governments are trying to cover this up and poo-poo it?
2: You know, I I think it goes beyond the government, and they're helping. Whoever is trying to hide some of this, I I don't think it's going to last much longer, and I don't think it's the government that's going to disclose or reveal. I think there are too many groups like us that are doing the research uh, that are going to come together, or maybe not. Maybe all the groups separately are going to do this reveal. I really do. uh, I made a little statement that I think people would like to listen to. It's it's uh, these experiences, events, whatever we choose to mm-hmm. call them, are so various and different. We must be ever so careful not to close these into boxes that lock our efforts out of the possibilities of future discoveries. Imagine that the visitors have moved so far in their advancements in technology. We need to allow for that when we research. We cannot block any reasonable path. I am here to listen, document, and support in that process. Process. There are new discoveries to be made, and I am hoping I will be a part of that.
1: What are some of the lessons that you've come back with from your visits aboard the craft, or crafts?
2: Well, they they are a very scientific, high technology, uh, beyond mm-hmm. uh, some of the emotions that we still have and sometimes overuse but I think they have discovered they've lost some of what they need to bring back for themselves emotion wise. And I think they're trying to rebuild that and balance us out so that we're not overly emotional. I I think that's something that I've learned. Um, But I think that we need to bring back empathy. A lot of us have it and come back with it even stronger. Um, We're a, people that are still warlike and we're ready to fight, Um, we're not wanting to be empathetic toward one another as much as we used to. And those of us that have been taken definitely have that, along with stronger psychic abilities.
1: Based on your experience and those that you're able to speak to who have had experiences, uh, are, are you finding that the ETs or the visitors are still using the, or that the experiencers are coming back with scoop marks?
2: Not so much. Oh, right. You may find a few. We're finding more unusual um, little triangles and little circles mm-hmm. with three or four dots in the middle. Um... Don't have anybody say they have scratch marks because that's something else altogether. Um, but, yeah, we're having little unusual marks that are almost code-like. So we're seeing that.
1: Is there a connection between the human-alien abduction and the cattle mutilations that, that seems to be so prevalent in the uh, late late 90s, I would imagine?
2: I'm on the fence about that Uh, because we had a family member who was involved in developing something called the Z machine and they were actually practicing picking things up in a helicopter Hmm. uh, the same way he was picking up trees and, and plants and so forth. It was the same method that they used to pick up cattle so we wonder if that was strictly a military effort.
1: You were telling us that when you were brought to this the hangar in Florida in the jungle that was covered over with all the foliage, uh, that there were humans. And and was I correct in understanding that a craft came over and from that craft came a reptilian in a uniform and a humanoid in in a uniform? Yes. The humanoid... um, Was it part of an Earth-based military in the present, or was it an Earth-based military presence in the future?
2: That I would like to know. I'm going to have to explore that, Um, and I know that Kathleen and I can can do that. Mm -hmm. It's something we need to take a look at, because I honestly don't know. As I said, there were no military insignia on the collars. They had been removed.
1: Is it possible, and this is just an idea that came to me, is it possible that the visitors that are are, are escorting you and other experiencers to their craft are actually from our future, and are doing this to prevent us from an atrocity that Earth, if we keep on going the way we are, is going to actually take place? And they're doing their best to avoid this because whatever it is may have cosmic, you know, cosmic, uh, cosmic ripple.
2: Yes, I I really do. Um, We're not being careful. Mm -hmm. We're just very selfish when it comes to what we want. Um, And we're not going to become a world-friendly people until we stop that. And I don't know how we're going to, and I think they're watching us very, very closely. Um, That's just my opinion. might not be anybody else's, so I need to say that. Um, But... Yeah, we're going to have to leave the planet if we complete our mission to ruin it.
1: Yeah. Uh, one more, uh, one more um, question that I'd like your opinion on. If it ever came to the point where two countries on this planet became so vol- volatile against each other that one of the countries pushed the nuclear button, would the visitors, in your opinion, intervene?
2: Oh, boy, that's a good question. I think that they're thinking about it or they've thought about it. I think they've got a lot of their people here in the mm-hmm. way of hybrids. I don't know what would happen to them. Would they just let us disappear and we would start all over again as we have before in the times of the dinosaur? Right. We haven't figured out our cavemen and those various levels of individuals. Um I think we're trying to get off the Earth already and move to Mars.
1: What are your final... So, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to ask you if you could share your final thoughts with the listening audience of the Exo Nation tonight. What message would you like to get out there?
2: Well, final thoughts, I think that... If you are holding something back that has happened to you, I think it's time to stop it and to find the right person to tell it to and find your support system. Um, you can contact me. I'll help find someone in your state, in your area that you can talk to, but it's time to share and, and spread the information. No one's going to make fun of you any longer. The,
1: the, uh, the abduction scenario, does it happen all over the world?
2: Yes, I believe so. Yes, I've talked to people from many countries.
1: And the experience itself, the craft, the escorts, they're all the same?
2: No. No. uh, I work actually with a neighbor who snuck me over in the middle of the night because they didn't want people to know. And the entities that they drew are slightly different. Wow.
1: Denise, I want to thank you ever so much for coming on the show tonight. I thank you for all the work that you've done and all the people that you've helped over the years and it's always a pleasure talking to you and uh, the door is always open please don't be a stranger
2: oh thank you so much I enjoyed it very much
1: good night my dear friend
2: oh good night to you
1: Exo Nation, Denise Stoner has been my guest and uh, if you've had an experience you think you've had an experience or maybe you know someone who's had an experience and it's troubling their lives have them contact Denise the um, email address is dmstoner, the number one, at gmail.com. And if you have any, if, if you can't remember it, there's always Exxon at TV.com And I will forward your email personally to Denise. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And don't forget, the name of the book that Denise co-wrote with Kathleen Marden is available on Amazon.com. It is The Alien Abduction Files, the most startling case of human-alien contact ever reported. We'll be back on the other side of this break at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour. Don't go away.